everybody. I am Marina Malaguti, and I'm your host at Embossed. Embossed is a podcast I've created to highlight women with amazing paths of success here in Chicago. Last year, I set out to interview the only 40 female CTOs in the city, and this year I've expanded to uh, female CEOs and women in politics and government in Chicago. I'm excited to share these interviews with you, and I hope you contact me at www.embossed.io or email me at marina at embossed.io. Hope to see you soon. Terry Lokiski has over 25 years of experience leading supply chain operations, global technology teams, and digital transformation programs with her partners, customers, and leadership. She earned her Bachelor of Science from the University of Miami Master of Science from Columbia University and medical training at OSHS back when God was a child. She also is a collector of firsts. She was the first female in her family not only to break the mold to an Italian university, but become an engineering scientist. In 1990, she was the first female and person of color in a pool of over 100 engineers offered one of only three promotions the same year. Um, that was because she was the first in um, one of the very few engineers who would volunteer to work on a two-year project in Juneau, Alaska, installing and integrating sensing devices on offshore oil rigs and pipelines. Coming up in her career, she was the first female enterprise architect at several companies she worked for. Uh, later on, she was the first female to lead a technology team or operate at the vice president level at several of those companies. She was the first executive at one of her first companies one of her companies who spent dedicated time with field operation listening and partnering hands on working closely with farming, plant, and supply chain operations to ensure that any transformational change will bring productive and not disruptive change to them. Recently, Terry and her co-founders sold their IoT device manufacturing startup to a large software company with a successful exit and plans to lead more technology teams in the manufacturing financial industry. She is known to be the first in the office and the last one to leave, knowing that Knowing that as a brown woman, she must work harder and perform better than her male counterparts because right or wrong, she's held to a higher standard. So when she's not collecting another first, which are many, as I said, um, she can be found paragliding, climbing mountains, tinkering with yet another IoT device, or absurd in a good book with her family in Chicago. Welcome to Ray. Hey everybody, this is Marina, your podcast host at Ombost. Today with me, I have a very special guest and dear friend, Terry Lokitsky. She is Vice President and Chief Digital Officer at Tere Lyle. Welcome, Terry. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So you and I have talked a uh, month ago and um, I know you've been listening to my podcast uh, or following me a little bit. Do you have a special episode that you've heard or that you like? I'm a big, I'm a big fan. I gotta say, I'm a big fan. Um, let's see. Do you remember any? Maybe uh, Betsy from 1871 came up. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say Betsy from 1871 was really imp impressive. And what I did like about her is talking about how she, how she really evolved, how she evolved her career, and how she got there. That was, I think, that was probably one of the most impressive and uh, <laughs> inspiring, actually. Uh, uh, interviews. I, I, I really like that. 
I'm so glad you're here because um, you are speaking of inspiring women. You are an inspiration. Um, I uh, scouted you way back in the way the day last last sometime last year when I first started the podcast because I was like, I need to have this woman on. She is amazing and a Latina, so we'll talk about that. Um, but first of all. How did your journey start? And I want you to tell that story that you told me uh, for being in Peru. Who's Terry a little, as a little girl in Peru? She was a hustler. <laughs> you really want me to tell you that story? Oh, gee. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, all right. So, I'll, so um, my my people are, uh, my mother's family are, are South American. They're Peruvian. They're, they're uh, native Andean. And my father's family are actually, uh, uh, they are refugees. They're Mongolian and Tibetan refugees. And they escaped uh, the, the, the Chinese uh, communist invasion. Which uh, makes you the way a beautiful ethnic person. Mountain people. We are, like, mount, we, we, are, we, are we are brown mountain people. Um, <laughs> and so um, as a kid, uh, we had the choice. We could work on the in the family's coffee farm, um, which I, I I really didn't want to do because uh, the chickens, you know, you'd go to feed the chickens and they they chase you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they hurt. <laughs> and so I realized I didn't want to work on the farm. And the chickens would roam all the coffee grows because they actually eat insects. Yes. So that's one of the organic ways to get rid of insects because chemicals were very hard to procure. Yeah. So why buy chemicals? We can, you can just raise chickens. It's a, that was the old school permaculture way. Anyway, so um, we had the choice of working on the farm or we had the choice of um, uh, working in my cousin's guide service. And, uh, you know, in Peru you have Machu Picchu and you have all of these sites. And so... Um, my cousins and I, we would, uh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you this story. Uh, uh, we would dress, we would dress uh, very poor and, and um, we would go to the tourists and, and offer to carry their bags up the mountain <laughs> as a porter. Um, and, and all the time they, they would say, oh, your English is really good. Oh, your English is really good. And I'm thinking, you know. I'm an American. I'm <laughs> just here for the summer. You know, I don't, I'm not going to tell them that. I'm like, oh yes, thank you so much, American. You know, I appreciate so much help. You know, and I really laid on thick the accent stuff, and uh, they would give me extra money. But yeah, I think uh, this was like, and and we would bet the tourists that we could run up to the top where the the center, the visitor center is, and we could beat the trams. Um, and the funniest part was that you know, when you get up there, it's pretty high in altitude. Now, I'm acclimated. I'm also genetically predisposed to handle yes. altitude very well. Whereas these tourists, they get out and they're all, you know, not feeling so good. <laughs> and they give me extra money. And we used to make like $70, $80 a day. And that for, again, and, and, and this is way back when God was a child. So that was a lot of money. We'd bank, you know, right. every summer. <laughs> This is how I see this in you, and now I understand who you are because your career is so rich, and I bet that shaped you in ways. Had to be scrappy. Exactly. Yes. Scrappy and resourceful, and 
you know, I'm competing for jobs where I'm the only brown person in the room. I'm the only female in the room. Yes. My hope and, and, and speaking with you, and we talked about this also even offline is, uh, you know, I want to bring women up with me. And, and more importantly, um, I'm looking for my successor. I'm always looking for my successor. Um, who can I who can I bring up with me to not just learn from me, but also to take over when I when I retire? When yeah, I because there were no there, right. I had no women mentors. I had, you know, I I I I actually was really lucky, like really really lucky to have a couple of um, mentors who were men that um, you know they kind of saw me as like their their daughter almost. Actually, in one effect, uh, one of my old mentors who had retired long long ago. You know, we joked. He was my professional dad. Um, <laughs> you know, Papa Jim. Yeah, and 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 uh, he he not only looked out for me, and I think sponsorship and advocacy is really important. Um, but but he he also empowered me to kind of spread my wings. And I think if 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 he hadn't done that, I wouldn't. I, there's no way I'd be here now. There's absolutely no way I'd be here now. That's awesome. Um, how, how does one find such like like this like you mentioned being scrappy at work right the one of one of the things that we just thought you were just talking about is like finding a mentor seems like really pivotal for Absolutely. you and and um and how does one find a mentor how did you how did you find your mentor how does one find a mentor nowadays yeah, so how I did it was um, I, I really had to stand out. So um, back when God was a child and back before Accenture was Accenture, they were Anderson Consulting. And I was at one intern, a, hundred, a couple hundred. Um, and I realized that there were going to only be three jobs for a few hundred people that were going to be competing. Um, and, and I didn't have that pedigree Ivy League education yet. I didn't have the MBA. I was still working on it, um, you know. And and uh, I also realized, wait a minute, I'm only one of two women here, and a couple hundred interns. Um, and and uh, I realized one thing. I realized uh, I'm going to have to work harder, smarter, and and demonstrate um, that I deserve that role. Um, and I had one thing going for me, and, and a lot of people, especially you know, brown people like us and women, we deal with a lot of, um, let's just say, uh, unwanted attention. Yeah. Um, but I realized that I was going to stand out, right? Just my very presence, I was going to stand out. So I was going to yeah. use it to my advantage. Yeah. So, so having said that, I was the first person in the office. I was the last person to leave. I volunteered for the work that nobody wanted. I volunteered for work I wasn't even supposed to be doing. Um, but I did, and it, and it made an impression on those partners I knew were going to be selecting yeah. uh, for the roles, and I was offered the role. Um, and and the, be the biggest and the best compliment I got was when I was talking to some of the interns afterward, they said they no one was surprised that I got that job. Oh, that's awesome. Which is funny. I mean, because, you know, uh, usually it's pretty cutthroat. But to hear someone say, I'm not surprised you got that job. You earned it. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest compliment. The biggest that's compliment, so I think, I, 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 you know, at the time. So, so how did you find that member through that experience? And, and, and that, that actually, and that, and because I stood out like that, you know, one of those partners 
said, hey, kid. And I remember this. Papa Jim's came out. And, and remember, he's a baby boomer. He's coming from a different generation. So we got to, it's not like today where, where he would have been in trouble for saying some of those things. Yeah. He's like, hey, kid, you know, get rid of the makeup. Get rid of that jewelry. Put on a pair of pants. And let's get to work. And, and you know, I, ha I realized, okay, well, this is going to be tough here. You know, this was one of those early generation Me Too moments. But, you know, it was, it was harmless enough. And, and I, how I, I realized, that, again, I had the opportunity to, to get that mentor by not just winning them over by showing I could do the work, but asking the right questions and adding value. Mm. How do you do that? And adding value was... Um, I made myself available, always available to, to the oh, partners. Interesting. Um, it, 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 not, not in an annoying way, but paying attention and really listening. And, and um, you know, some of it was uh, one of the partners, I remember, uh, he, 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 he was a very busy man, um, and, and I'm no fool. So I would, I would go to his assistant and find out what his schedule is. And find out when he had breaks, and I would bribe her and bring her coffee, and and, and literally bribed her. <laughs> and once he couldn't be out for a coffee break, and she'd be like, "Why?" I'm like, "Well, you know, I was just actually kind of hoping to run into him at the at the coffee machine." And she's like, "Why?" He's like, "Well, you know, I'm 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 looking to learn." Um, and and, and I, I realized really early too is. You want to be really, really nice to the people that that help you. That's yeah. the executive assistants. That's the IT help desk. That's HR. And by making friends with them, you know, especially his assistant, she's like, "Okay, go ahead. He's he's going to be over at the coffee machine. Just get going." And she would help me out. And over time, I would just run into him, and I'd have questions, and I'd be prepared. I had little cards with, you know, little card with little <laughs> questions. questions I was going to ask, and then and then offer myself to add value. And I was constantly offering myself, well, sir, you know, if you have time, you know, I'd be happy to help you on that, even if it's just to take notes or to listen. And and he would look at me like, who are you? <laughs> but I would just show up, uh, and to the point where. And I, you know, you gotta learn how to read the read the crowd yeah. and off a little bit, but I would still be around. And he'd say, Hey Terry, how you doing? Oh, hi. hello, sir. Good to see you. You know, did you read that article in For you know in Forbes magazine about this? And he said, No, 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 I'll take a look at it. I like that. And and I, I had to build rapport with him. And over time, he started inviting me to meetings. And then right. before you know it, he's like having me do other work or extra work or you know, and and uh, I I kind of I, 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 uh, I uh, inserted myself in a, in a valuable and productive way. I wasn't a pest um, and I, and I wasn't going to suck up. You know, I never sucked up. I just, I just made myself available. I love um, that work. I think uh, that's a really good making yourself available and really like being present in those yeah. moments. But I also, I want to admire like your tenacity and also sometimes like you must have had a lot of patience because like, you know, nowadays with social media and comparing yourself to others and look at that person who's like CEO at the age of 17 and making up like it takes, it takes like uh, integrity. It takes like really like knowing who you are, being comfortable in who you are to not compare yourself so much? Did you have that going up? And did you think about like how long, like the patience that it was gonna take in order to like actually get things done? Or how did, how, what was your frame of mind? So there wasn't anybody else to compare myself to. 
Right. Back then, it was me. That was it. There were no, really no other women, no other senior women to really look up to. And when there were that very few women, they weren't interested in taking me under their wing. Mm-hmm. Back then, women, there were a lot. There were a lot of queen bees, but um, I just. If I'm being, if I can be totally blunt, I actually worry about the generations today, these younger generations, because they are constantly being scrutinized by social media. I mean, as 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 great as technology has been to make things convenient and accessible, remote, um, you know, I'm 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 not convinced that things are easier for for us. Um, if anything, uh, the scrutiny is higher. Yeah. Um, the the comparisons are unfair, um, and, and when I when I say unfair, you really need to compare yourself to nobody but yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You you need to define who you are and then go with that. And and um, more importantly, I also feel like there's a narrative about what women should be doing, even though it's 2021. Yes, 2021. Um, I, I really feel like. Um, women feel like they have to meet some sort of measure, some sort of uh, stereotype. And, and I, I'm, you know, even even on the progressive side, you know, I, I just kind of feel like, look, you just need to know who you are first and then um, explore what, what works for you. Um, and I have to say that, you know, with 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 these little things and yeah. it's hard to do that you know yeah, I mean, absolutely still using landlines when i was coming up in my career cell phones were really only for you know executives really, yeah. really really wealthy folks yes. and and uh you know us, us underlings you know we we had landlines and you know we we had email but uh it wasn't nearly as prolific as it is so, now so were you just like playing the long game you think back then and is that and is that a lesson and are there other lessons that you t- took on from that mentorship relationship that you use today in mentoring people so yeah, so a lot of it has to do with patience. You you did actually nail that. You you have to be really patient. You do have to play that long game. You can't expect to get that promotion, and and frankly, you can't expect that partner you know to mentor you. Um, you know, uh, there were there were moments where, and there were, you know, there were uh, leaders who outright just told me, "I'm not interested in you," and they would make it very clear why. And you know, not everyone's going to like me and not everyone's going to like my style. But, you know, as I said, is you just have to make yourself available and you have to spread your net as wide as possible. Mm, so um, not just one mentor, try to like get. Learn from as many people as, as you can and, you know, always approach it from a perspective of, I'm here to learn and I have a lot to learn and I would like to learn from you you know, and it's got to be genuine, obviously, you, you're, you know, say, look, I, I think you're, I think you're a great leader, and I'd like to learn from you, and, and, and the reason why is because I really admired how you handled that account, I really admire, you know, I, I want to learn how you manage CapEx, I want to learn, you know, very specific things, and then it's, then you're not pandering to that person, you're, yeah. you're genuinely expressing what you want to learn from them, and, and why, so. That's awesome. Um, yeah, but that's the other thing too is that people have to. You have to make an effort. Yeah. I, I put in a lot of hours and a lot of effort to learn about these partners 
to learn about my customers. I mean, got to put in the work. I didn't have much of a personal life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just, you know, I kind of was living about my career. So. Nice, but um, nonetheless, it paid out extremely well. I feel like I, I, I think of you as a very successful woman in woman in tech. Um, went through, yeah, went through Coca Cola, Accenture. Uh, becoming VP uh, and Chief Technology Officer at PepsiCo, um, and then Hitachi. I mean, your resume, SAP, and then finally Tedema. Your resume speaks for itself. Um, what are some leadership uh, techniques or things that you really like to lean on and use? Um, any? Uh, any of uh, any any technique that comes to mind? Well, I think there's there's a couple of things that are that are super important. Um, so I'm a I'm a textbook introvert. I'm what the Myers Briggs calls an INTJ, and uh, so that means I have to put a lot of effort to sort of be assertive and uh, express myself. Uh, I'm not, but luckily I'm not shy. Um, but I think. Uh, interestingly enough, I think the number one thing you got to do is listen, like really listen, like look at the, you know, really pay attention to the landscape, you know, mm -hmm. about the organization and the work. So uh, as an engineer, you know, I, I think that a lot of engineers don't find themselves getting promoted or even being considered is because they're focused so much on being thought leaders and not necessarily being on people leaders. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, to me, part of that secret is to have a good balance of both. You got to be a good thought leader. You don't want to be just the smartest person in the room, but you want to be the smartest person there who brings everybody along with you. And you also, you know, you have to be paying attention so that you can actually use your smarts, so to speak, in a pragmatic and an authentic way. Yeah. And, you know, being a good people leader doesn't mean you have the big title. In fact, I would argue that in my past, some of the people I've worked with, some of the most talented engineers and the best leaders I've ever worked for, they didn't have a title. But they carried, but when they spoke, everyone paid attention and everyone and paid heed mm -hmm. because they spent the time building relationships within an organization, networking, finding the right sponsors. Nice. Um, and, and finding the right um, advocates for them. So, you know, it's never it's never one person in a room. It's several people in a room, right? Yeah. Um, I, I love that. Like, I love the fact that you are listening to the people and really bringing on your knowledge. Um, I think a common thing that happens is, and I'm, and I'm going to really these two questions, but, like, the first part is, like, have you ever had imposter syndrome? And then how did you handle that? But then the opposite of that question that comes to me looking at your resume straight up is like, you've had amazing role at an amazing company. Like, how did you sell yourself to succeed in each and every job, right? And those are our dichotomies, like the, having the imposter syndrome and yet getting bigger and better job and more responsibility. Those two things are things that I think happen a lot uh, for women and actually for men too. Uh, in the industry? Yeah, so the problem with the imposter syndrome is that that to me talks around your personal self-confidence mm -hmm. and confidence in yourself and your skill set. 
And it's interesting because ever since I had my first manager job up until this role, there have always been women that have worked for me who have constantly apologized for who they are or the ideas they bring to the table or the solution that they came up with. And it always frustrated me. And to me, that imposter, that shows where that imposter syndrome comes up, where they can't believe that they're the subject matter expert in the room. Mm. And without another woman or a, a sponsor or a mentor saying, no, 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 no. You have every right to say that. Why are you apologizing? And more importantly, don't apologize. Don't apologize yeah. for who you are. Um, I think the imposter syndrome is real because, again, it, it, we, there's a conditioning that we are brought up with from day one. Yeah. That women can't be smart. Women can't be good at math. Women can't be good at technology. A woman engineer? Oh, honey, you're too pretty to be. By the way, those <laughs> are words, these actual words used. Honey, you're too pretty to be an engineer. Why don't you get married and have a family? And, and um, as I started moving up in my career, I realized, what? what? No, <laughs> I, I, define, I define who I am. You know, I'm the engineer. Like, not only is it my title, but that's why I'm here. Like, why did you hire me if you're telling me these things? So, and it's funny because in all, the last couple of uh, meetings I've been in with my, with my engineers, I found them apologizing. They're like, I, you know, I'm sorry, um, but I kind of feel like uh, this is, this is uh, we, we need to do data sets this way. We need to do data definitions this way. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, stop. Uh, and, uh, and it, you know, in these one-on-ones, I got to say, don't apologize for yourself. You're the subject matter expert. You've been empowered by your VP, your CEO, <laughs> be that subject matter expert. And yeah. Uh, you should be able to, you know, give your opinion, which is a valid opinion, uh, without feeling like uh, you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough. And I do feel like that imposter syndrome really stems from the conditioned insecurity and uh, that, that uh, many women have been subject to. In those moments where somebody may have projected their opinion of you onto you because I think that's really what it is. Mm. Um, what did you, how did you cope with that? Like, did you have any strategies? You've seen that probably enough times where at this point, like, oh, you mean victim blaming? <laughs> yeah, I feel like, I feel like I either deflect it with the joke or, you know, but is it, I don't even know if it's all right, but I'm at the same time is like, how do, how do you deal with like not letting it get to you? So, okay. So the first thing is never deflect it. And the best way to kind of tear down some of those walls is to acknowledge it. And by acknowledging it, 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 um, it can be a nice subtle way of saying, oh, no, 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 that's, that's not acceptable behavior. Um, and if you have allies in the room, um, I mean, the social, the, the social justice warrior version of the ally, but also your, your mentors and your, you know, your, I call your, your uh, workplace, your teammate uh, allies, which is, you know, you just call it out and just ask the question, wait, did you, what did you mean to say by that? And by doing that, it's a very subtle way of saying, hey, let's, let's rephrase that. You know, why, why are you questioning my, the veracity of what I'm saying? I, you know, and, and uh, 
at least for me, when that came up with me, is say, look, I'm the architect here. You know, this is my job. Um, and anything beyond that, that's when folks start going, you know, they, people can, I let people dig their own graves, uh, but I'm not going to sacrifice or, or apologize for the work that I do. And, and I do, I push others to do the same. Beautiful. And, and that's not being difficult. It's just sort of, well, you know, I'm, I'm the subject matter expert here. I'm the architect here. or I'm the, the DBA here or I'm the yeah. consultant here. So you know, I'm here to do this work and, you know, this is my expertise. And that's why the answer I gave you is the answer that I gave you. So. Probably like setting boundaries. I think it would be a good way of saying that. You nailed it. That's exactly <laughs> what to do is to set boundaries and, 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 and feel secure enough to, 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 to set them. Um, and by deflecting, you're just allowing, you're enabling bad behavior. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, we've talked about this before, and I think definitely, like, um, I have experienced as as times move on into the Me Too movement and all these things have happened, that there's definitely more allies at work. Yeah. Um, what, have, have, what was your experience during your career about allies, and how do you define an ally? Maybe is a different definition before and after? Absolutely. So when I was coming up on my career, uh, to me, allies were really just colleagues who stuck up for you, validated your work, or, you know, a good ally is maybe just a colleague who said, Terry, you did really well in the meeting, you know, great job. And, and it goes both ways. It doesn't even matter whether you're male, female, black, white, green, yellow. Um, it's just about being a good colleague. And yeah. I was... I was really lucky to, you know, come up in my career with some really good allies, you know, and, you know, back then we called them work buddies. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, we validate each other or we check each other or we, you know, you look out for each other. Um, I, I have noticed that, uh, you know, there's an old saying, the higher you go, the thinner the air gets. Um, and, and that is kind of true. It can get uh, political sometimes, but sometimes fortunately, fortunately, thin air has been your training since childhood. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> nice one. That's good. <laughs> um, but it, it's also about choices too. You know, do I choose to stay in an organization that kind of fosters, you know, um, what I call healthy competitiveness, mm. where you're collaborating, and you know, we're all competing. To, we're all we're all collaborating together to compete against right this problem versus competing against each other for a role or something else. And um, I, I do find that uh, in the end, uh, the the most successful environments uh, for for someone like me is is really one where you foster a, a collaborative spirit and, um, and and you empower each other by validating each other or standing up for each other. And and so to me that's. That, that my my view of the old school ally, I, I, and then and then there's the new ally, right? Today's today's new ally, and and um, I I would again like I said I was really lucky. I had a I had a bunch of really good mentors who looked out for me. I had colleagues that we looked out for each other. Um, but I will say though that nowadays, I, at least in my my experience as of recent, you know, to be an ally is really just looking out for that unconscious bias, looking yeah. out for the others around that unconscious bias, around um, the bias that still exists, which is sad. Um, you know, I have I had a couple of really great employees who stepped up and said and reported, hey Terry, you know, 
I noticed how, you know, such and such female was treated in this meeting, and she was really dismissed. I just didn't think that was fair, so I hope you didn't mind, but I kind of stood up for her and said something, and, you know, I just wasn't going to allow that anymore. To me, that's an ally, you know? That's and, awesome. And by the, huh? That's awesome. That, that, not only is that awesome, but to me, that's amazing leadership. That, that to me, is leadership. That's somebody that I would promote. And, you know, that's not kissing up. That's not pandering. That's leadership. That's leadership is, you know, standing up and doing the tough thing because everyone else is deflecting on the person who says, no, these are the boundaries. This is acceptable. This is not acceptable. Um, and, and, you know, but if there's one thing I have learned is that good leaders are always supported by better leaders. Mm. Right? And I don't mean just supported as in, you know, I pay lip service, but, you know, really sponsoring and advocating for them. Um I, I've always worked really hard at nurturing my leaders, um, and I call them my leaders. I do. I take ownership. Of them. <laughs> I do because I'm responsible for them. And 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 you know, over the years and decades, it's actually developed into a great community of employees, former employees, uh, former colleagues, former bosses um, that that I can rely on day in day out. So. I don't have recruiting problems because literally I have a huge Rolodex of people that I can call. Oh, see, I use the old vernacular Rolodex. That's Rolodex, yeah. yeah. I have a, I do. I have this, you know, huge Rolodex of of great engineers and database architects and architects and you know, you name it. I, I've worked with them and and that I can bring along with me and they're my greatest references because uh, they're my allies and I am most certainly theirs. That's so to me, that's what allyship, I think, is, is, is that mutual respect and, and trust and looking out for each other in that way where there's unconscious bias or there's just some things that aren't kosher. You, you got to yeah, do that. Absolutely. Which, uh, which takes us to something else that you mentioned here at the beginning, which was, um, you know, finding your successor. I think about it also as like building, building a bench almost, right, of people that you can call in or call up to play, to play. Um, you know, to play the role or to play the position or to move them up, whatever that is. Um, how do you go about identifying, developing, and then finally, like, how do you know when it's time to, like, pull them up? It's funny you say that because uh, you'll laugh, but I'm looking, what catches my eye is probably the same things that caught those partners' eyes when I was coming up. Uh -huh. You see that as pattern behavior, and part of it is you can tell when someone's hungry. And I use the word hungry; it's an old term. And you can tell when someone's hungry and really just wants to prove themselves. And then, and then you can tell the difference between that and somebody and someone who wants to learn against somebody who you can tell they just want a promotion. Like mm -hmm. you know, you if I've been around long enough, I can see what's genuine and authentic and what isn't. But I am always looking to, I want to work with authentic people who want to problem solve and who want to collaborate with me. You know, I don't want to work with somebody who's looking to stab me in the back because they want a promotion. Like that's, nobody wants to work with that person. Right? <laughs> so what do I look for? I, I'm actually, I uh, surprisingly, I'm looking, but I'm not looking, you know, like I, I just, I want to work with good people. So I'm always looking out for good people. And then invariably if i'm listening uh, a good person's always going to pop up and you know i've had the honor and the privilege of 
working with some really, really, really good people who themselves are good listeners. And um, I, I call it looking around the corner, you know, they're, they're, they're good at covering me. I'm good at covering them. And you find like when I was that kid coming up, I, I would see that partner in the coffee room and say, Hey, you know, I know you're working on, I know you're working on that big VP project of sensing devices. And, you know, I didn't know if you thought about this, but you know, there's an, there's an article in Forbes magazine about, you know, sensing devices, or I would just bring that up and offer that and be available, made myself available and offer things that might be of value. If it was of value, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, tell me more about that. Or, oh, no, thanks. All right. And even if they brushed me off, it's, I genuinely wanted to contribute and I genuinely wanted to add value. And in doing so, you know, you'll get that attention. And that's how a lot of, you know, the people that I've mentored or brought up with me have approached me is yeah. I can tell they want to add value. They genuinely, yeah, you can come, you can come to meetings. Sure. You know, it's just, you know, just sit back, you know, and, and uh, if you want to, you can prep with me or, uh, um, you know, and I would even ask to do that too. And, 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 you know, there's a couple of folks who, who uh, work in a different group uh, than me now. And, and, you know, they approach me all the time. Hey, can I take you out for coffee? And I'm just like, Oh, you're persistent. And the first thing I'm thinking of is just like me 20 years ago. I like you. Yeah, I'll have coffee with you. Tell me all about it. You know, and everyone knows my Achilles heel. They show me their pictures of their kids. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, I, think it, I think it wouldn't be authentic if I didn't bring up, obviously, that there's a pipeline issue of women in technology um and it seems like entry-level positions now are, are mostly covered right like we have planned like there's a lot more women graduating college in engineering and science degrees uh, than be than in the last few years well now with covid we don't know but we'll see what happens but generally like there's a lot more entry-level women that could be you know that could be coming into roles but then uh, something happens and they leave the industry, they leave te- technology, and uh, there is just far few in between uh, that are left at the top to you know, fight their, the battle mostly alone. Um, and, and really like that lack of uh, uh, like ascension, if you will. Uh, why why do you think that is still the case um and what are some of the things that perhaps you or you've seen somebody else do that have helped with continuing to keep women in the work in the in in the industry specifically in tech so you've described something that i've noticed as a, a strange phenomena with our gender which is you're right there's a large band of women in entry level and then they start moving up a little bit and then, but remember the age and, and the journey, right? So in our lifetimes, we have a biological window for us to bear children, right? Have families, et cetera. And that's not a social construct, that's biology. Um, you know, tech, medicine has helped us extend that. So women can, you know, pursue longer careers because they can hold off before having children. Um, you know, my sister-in-law had a child at 45. Wow. At 45. Um, so, so it's possible to really focus on your career. 
um, in their formative, I call it in your formative years of adulthood, um, but it's expending. Now what I'm noticing is you're right, at a certain level, and I call that right, right around that senior manager, director, senior director level, there's a big cutoff there. Um, and and then, then you have executives, and even at that, you know, there's, there's very few of us. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with that biology and having the family and making that really tough choice. Am I going to stay at home and raise kids and bring them up, you know, bring these small humans up? Or, you know, will I stay in my career? Uh, it's really hard to do it all, have it all, do it all. I mean, it's yeah. so 90s, such a 90s thing. But I think what I did learn in the 90s is, is um, there's a lot of sacrifice that comes into, you know, working your way up that, that, uh, that ladder in, in terms of scope and responsibility. Um, I had to sacrifice a lot. I had to sacrifice a lot of, you know, first walks and first days at school and really critical times in children's uh, lives. And um, I, I do regret that, actually. If I'm being completely honest, I do regret that. You know, my, I've done very well in my career, but, you know, success is a very subjective term and yes. the word success has to be defined by you and not by what society says so you know my my colleagues and my you know uh, people I've worked with my professional life would say oh you're really successful sure yeah but you know my my personal friends and family would say wow it's you know they, they can hear it in my voice they can see it in me I, I carry a lot of regret yeah. I, I missed out on a lot of things I can't get back and you can't get that time back Absolutely. You know, um, so, so here's, here's the thing, though, like uh, just to and I totally understand because I have three daughters myself and and with my with actually my first biological daughter, um, I've had to go back to work at three months mark. Right. I had to like right. financially constrained to go back to work. Right. Um, and I just had a baby and now all of a sudden I'm working from home and it's like one of the biggest <laughs> blessings in the world because i get to like watch my kid grow right here and and work on my career and you know like which without some work i would drive me crazy so like i need that that also in my life so as a society we're capable of doing this for women it's not like um, it's now yeah absolutely now now you can yeah it's not like we're not able to get both in, in some sort of way, right? There's always right. never a balance. It's not, it's never like perfect, but. But, but. but that's also making a lot of assumptions that maybe you have a supportive spouse, right? Or you have supportive family members. I'm not gonna lie, I was really lucky. I had a nanny, um, this is wonderful, wonderful Polish woman, God rest her soul. She, uh, she helped me raise my, you know, she helped me raise children. Um, you know, I had really fa supportive family members mm -hmm. who who were there for me. And if it, it you know, the, and that stupid cliche about you know it takes a it takes a village to raise a child. That's absolutely correct. And mm -hmm. if you have a small village, a community of people to help you as a woman, in a career woman, you're not going to make it. There's no way I would have been able to make it. I I I really owe any and all of my success to 
the people that have supported me, who have mentored me, who have advocated for me, who stuck up for me, you know, who, who make me look really good. You know, my employees make me look really good. Like everybody, right down to, you know, the executive assistant who would pass me post-it notes and go, you know, I'm going to get you, I'm going to save you from this meeting, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, oh, okay, yes, I got to go, you know, so I, I, I think that, um, I think that having a, a really strong support system is that one of those secrets of of helping, you know, that woman that you're describing who's on that precipice of getting into senior leadership, helping her get there. Um, it is it is never and, and any woman who says I've done it alone, I don't know. I'm gonna I've been in a challenge that I'm I'm you have help. We all because yeah. guess what? And there is nothing wrong with asking for help. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Well, we are definitely in like different times and I hope that given the way, the new way we have had to work for the last year and a half, um, we have at least learned some things that we can take and move forward with so that we don't just go back to be the way we used to work. Um, are there any trends that you're hearing your employees talking about that they like, is it office? Is it virtual? Is it hybrid? <laughs> is it global? Do they want to work from Portugal? I don't know. What, what's happening in, in within your teams that you know of? And and uh, how, is, how has COVID changed the way we work for the future in your, so, your way, in your opinion? So, so luckily in IT, you know, we, we do have the ability to be able to do work from work remotely. Um, I'm results driven. So maybe my style is a little bit different than others, but I'm results driven. I don't care if you work four hours or 40 hours or 400 hours. All I really care about is, you know, we've agreed on, Hey, this is your contribution as, as part of the team. These are your, this is your role and your responsibilities. I expect you to be present and I expect you to be, you know, to drive results against your objectives. And that's it. At that point, we're all grown adults. You're a professional. I'm a professional. Make it happen. And and um, by leaving the door open and, and giving choice to your employees and on the mode with which they want to work, mm -hmm. I don't know. I've, I found that got some really good productivity on that. Now, I will say, though, on the flip side, though, there has been a little hyper productivity and a little burnout. And I don't know about you, but that's a, that's a, it's, you know, the struggle is real. Absolutely. And so I, if anything, I've actually been coaching my employees to say, I, I need you to stop at 50 hours, <laughs> you know, and, and by the way, let's go through your schedule here because I've had, it's really funny and, and it's interesting. It's always the women It's always, they're working 60, 80, hundred hours. And I'm like, whoa, 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 you have took two small children. I need you to get offline. And, and yeah. And, and, we'll do uh, that. <laughs> Close the laptop. It's 6 p.m. Like, go hang out with your husband and your family. No, no, no. But I'm like, well, the work will be there tomorrow. I will be there tomorrow. Like, just, it's okay. Um, and and if anything, I've had to kind of rein them back and say, eh, it's okay. The work will be there. But um, I, I, by giving employees a choice of, you know, do you want to do a hybrid? 50% in the office, 50% out. That's fine. Again, I... I don't care. It's location, uh, schedule, you know, um, all I ask is for is results and balance. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and, and, and it's funny because uh, I, I've received a lot of criticism for balance because, you know, we have projects, we have deadlines, and all right, that makes sense. But um, we, I also have to, as you said, I have to look for the long game, too. I don't want to burn this employee out to the point where they're going to quit or they're going to get sick, you know, or worse yet, they're going to be disgruntled and affect the morale of the whole team. So, um yeah, and, and I, and I again, it's all about listening. Am I really listening, you know? Oh, you know, I noticed, you know, one, one female engineer, she's really good, and she will work 180 hours if you allow it. Like, I just, uh, and, and, and so I've had to, like, kind of manage her carefully and say, did you eat today? <laughs> How much did you sleep? And I literally ask those questions, because you know, we'll have one-on-ones. Like, oh, I'm fine. And like, are you making excuses? I'll just, and then, and then I don't say anything. You know, you just give it some silence because you'd be surprised. Like when you're silent, the first person who speaks is going to lose, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. squirm a little bit. She's like, no, no, I haven't eaten. I'm like, okay, you're after we get off the phone here, but I have meetings. I'm like, I know you have meetings, but they can also wait. And by the way, I'm here for you. And, if, and, and you can you can blame me. You can make me the bad guy and say, hey, you know, Terry said that I, I need to take a break and uh, I need to go take care of my family or, you know, whatever. Um, so I think that's, you know, finding balance uh, to me. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're 100 percent remote or 100 percent in the office or any measure in between. I think you got to find balance and I think you got to produce results. That's that's really good. All right. So, Terry, believe it or not. We are towards the end of our time together, unfortunately. <laughs> it happens every time. It just comes up, comes up and then I'm like, it's been five minutes. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are going to do outros in a second. But before we do that quick, um, is there a lesson or one thing that you would like the audience, the audience to remember about the, whether it's like being a leader in tech or, you know, definitely like being a diverse leader in tech and, um, and how to handle yourself um, and, or any other lesson that you hold dear to your heart that you want to share with the audience. Um. Gosh, that's, there's so many things to say about that. Um, right, give me the top two. Top two. Um, one is around choices, and then the other one is around balance. And the first one is you have to trust your instincts when you make your choices. Remember that, you know, they have a lasting effect, right? Um, so, you know, and sometimes it's not always good to accept that promotion because the grass may look greener, but it may not necessarily actually be greener. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and those choices are always a learning lesson. Even if you've made a big mistake in that choice, it's a good learning lesson and you have to look at it that way. Yeah. And, and I think that we as women, um, we're so conditioned to being wrong or to being corrected or, you know, like, mm -hmm. right, we have to look, for the, look to the men to be right. Um, validation. Or to, or to feel like they have to be perfect in everything they make. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's okay to make mistakes because uh, if you're perfect, you can't learn. Yeah. And so I just feel like 
you know, choices are important because you are going to learn something from it and you have to take it as a learning lesson and not a failure. And even if it is a failure, it's a good learning lesson. It's a good lesson. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and I, I think that's really important for, for women. The second thing is I mentioned is balance and, um, you don't have to go at things at a hundred miles an hour. You know, you can, you can, what I call sit back into something and kind of lean into something and just listen and, and hear your own voice and hear the solution come up for itself. Um, it's not always a reactive manic race to the finish line. You know, I like the, turtle, the turtle usually beats the hare, you know, and, and these races are long. And I've always found that, you know, the person who runs out of the gate the fastest runs out of energy and doesn't make it to the finish line. And hey, I might be slow and it may have taken me 20, 30 years to get here, but, you know, but I'm not going anywhere. Um, and and in the, that balance is I'm bringing, I can bring people with me. So um, I think, I think good make, you know, being really tentative of your choices, learning from your choices, and uh, finding good balance, I think, are the two things to learn, yeah. And it brings it right back to patience, which is, I find it's so critical uh, nowadays to go at your own pace, at least, or, you know, beat at your own drumbeat. That's right, and be patient with yourself. Be patient with others. Um, And I can say that from experience, because I am arguably one of the most impatient people I know. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And, and, and yeah, and every time I've been impatient, um, it's really come back to bite me. So even at my age, I'm still I'm still learning how to be patient. Yes. Oh so, yeah, oh yeah. All right. What is a book you've gifted the most? Um, actually, a number of books, and and um, I usually I'm I'm one of those prolific readers, and and uh, so I, I hand make cards, and I'll put the card in a book. Um, and they're usually one of a few books. Um, you know, I love Henry Cloud's Integrity. I love uh, Mindy Hart's The Memo. I love Brene Brown, basically anything by Brene Brown. Um, but in particular, I love Dare to Lead um, and The Gift of Imperfection. Um, she she is a gifted, gifted researcher yes. who has, has uh, been very data-driven in her findings. And to me, I mean, nothing like, hey, as a techie, I appreciate, I appreciate uh, data-driven, data, yeah, data-driven yeah, data metrics. So I, I like to measure absolutely everything. I think it was OCD, and <laughs> maybe secretly OCD, but but anything Brene Brown has put together around leadership and uh, shame and, and what shame does to you. And, and so... Um, I, I love her shame talk, vulnerability talks too. Absolutely. And these are the primers that I've always given to burgeoning leaders that I, I've had the pleasure leading. And um, I love to give those books away because um, I learned a lot from them myself. What is a book you would write and why? Um, gosh. So I, I, one thing I, I didn't really get to talk about a lot, I did talk a lot about sponsorship and mentors and, but to me, good sponsorship is when that mentor gives you a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. That, that to me is really true sponsorship is having a seat at the table. And, and having, having said that, if I could write a book, I, I'd probably write a book at, at what it's like to earn uh, that seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, kind of, I don't know, just all the, all the little lessons I've learned en route 
to where I am now. And, you know, maybe, I don't know if anybody really wants to aspire to be like me. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but if they could learn from my journey, from from how I earned a seat at the table, then, you know, hey, have at it. That's a book I'd write. Um, the the other, but a book that I would truly, would I think would be, a real value is basically a book um, for my successors, which is, you know, like, you know, letters, letters to my successors. <laughs> it would be, it would be a book of letters to my successors of, Hey, I made this mistake. Please don't do that. Um, or, Hey, this really worked for me. You should do that. Or um, never, you know, don't second guess yourself, you know, embrace being this me, you know, never apologize for yourself. All those little lessons all those little yeah. nuggets i put it into a book that i, I, I want to share yeah because you know what maria really you know your generation these younger generations frankly you guys are going to save us save us <laughs> and externals and us boomers like you know, i'm going to all my daughters my daughters to save us right you do thank you right on the future future the future future um <laughs> I, I i'm telling you we made all the mistakes um, and, and so uh, I, I'm really hoping that these future generations can learn and leapfrog me. Yeah. I think there it's, it's getting so much better already. Um, not that it's perfect, but I think yeah. we're improving. At least it, the upward trend is there. Yeah, well, it's fits and starts. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say that because I said that as a, as a young person thinking of the 60s and 70s. Yeah, going, right. yeah it's going to happen. Uh, and, and I was like, you know, coming up in my career, like, no, nothing's changed. People are awful. They're just quiet about it, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. No, but, like, truly, like, I think um, there's a lot of, a lot more men in tech, at least I've experienced, that are, are truly genuine about, you know, diversifying the workforce, and I'm super excited about that. Not enough. But DEI, yeah, DEI is getting yeah, there. It's getting there. It's getting there in small fits and starts. Um, you know, we do have labor laws like, you know, anti-discrimination laws that that's going to help us. Um, you know, it's it's having it's it's those it's those allies and, and those uh, mentors and sponsors who will by inches, by fits and starts. You know, there's got to be more. Meat, I like, would say like I will also say like we're talking about women leaving the workforce to be to be mothers and. There's a different teaching that is happening there because of that experience that is definitely affecting the future generation. So I'm super hopeful towards, you know, towards uh, the future and what has to come. I see it in all of our kids. Well, and, and things like FMLA really helps, you know, not just mothers, but fathers, fathers you know, well. to raise yes. their children while... Yes. You know, while 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 they're working, um, you know, I have male employees who who really love their families and it breaks my heart that for for the longest time they didn't have the same rights to be there for their kids. One hundred percent. And I and you know what? Children need their fathers too. Yes. So <laughs> yes. Hey, here here I am fighting for the you know pushing for the rights of of all genders and and transgender as well. I mean, if we look at a very underserved demographic, that's a huge underserved. You know, community as well. So I think we've. I, I, you're right. I think we're 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 at least you know we're acknowledging it better. I think we'll get there, um, but it's going to take a lot a lot of patience. We're going to go back to that patience for years, over and over again, aren't we? 
All right. Uh, last two question. What does it mean for you to be embossed? <laughs> You're laughing. It, there's no right answer. Hey, look, there's no right answer. Marina, <laughs> the 80s called. They want their word boss taken back. They want. Right. <laughs> I'll take it out. I'll change right. it on my boss. That's okay. No, 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 no. Let's 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 unbossed, right? So I mean, so so I I feel like the best businesses kind of nurture. Um, a collaborative partnership culture, right? You know, I, yeah. so I do embrace the word unbossed because I don't want it to be boss. I don't want to be yeah. called boss, even though I, it's funny because I still joke with my own bosses and call them boss. So, but that's a term of endearment, not a, right? Um, that, is, that is absolutely what it is, is that is an endear, hopefully yeah. can be used as an endearment term. Nowadays. Seriously, retire boomer. Like, let's get that, let's get some terminology out of here. Um, <laughs> what is it? What is it if it's not a boss? What do you think? What do, you, what do you call your leader? Leader, you know, like a C is not the same. It's like a boss. I feel like right. boss is like a way of. It could be. Okay. Maria, I think that we should just like recoin the phrase boss and just, you know, make it a term of endearment yes. as opposed to a, you know, a fearful act. I feel fearful. So maybe, so maybe that's what we'll do is that's, that's what it might mean to me is we're going to turn it into a term of endearment Perfect. where we nurture a collaborative partnership culture where we do 360s and, you know, it doesn't matter what your title is, but you have a seat at the table to add value. Yeah. I think that's, that's what embossed means. I love it. That's what it's going to be. Terry, if we say your, uh, our audience, what are you up to? Uh, anything that you look forward to doing next? Um, anything you got going on? Me? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you. Um, I'm, I'm actually, you know, I'm looking, uh, I'm actually very interested in serving on boards, you know, so if you have a nonprofit where you are advocating and looking for mentors for women, I'm there. Um, I want to serve in those underserved communities. I am a huge LGBTQ plus uh, ally. So if 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 you've got if you know if if there are transgender folks or anyone in that community who who needs support or wants to be brought up, you call me. Um, I'll be there with bells on. Um, I, I'm uh, I'm actually uh, investing in. Uh, reinvesting in IOT you know I had my IOT startup I'm I'm looking to invest it in another one so if you have a great tech idea and you're looking for a sponsor yeah. uh, I'm I'm your I'm your I'm your gal perfect and they'll find you on LinkedIn should I leave the LinkedIn sure absolutely yeah send me a message yeah. okay awesome well Terry it's been a pleasure it's been lovely like always Let's yeah. talk soon again. Come back. Yeah, and I want to see more, more pictures of the big I like preciosa. <laughs> Your daughter is absolutely adorable. Thank you. Artemis made, made an appearance in the beginning here. So she's going to be on, on video. But um, thank you so much. Uh, I love you. And I hope I wish the best. I hope Likewise. you come back Yeah, I love you too. And, you know, don't be a stranger. We're, we're getting vaccinated. <laughs> You know, a, little, a little busy. <laughs> you know, you can also watch the kids, you know, like I'm, okay. yes. I'm all up for babysitting. <laughs> yes. yes, with the kids. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.